Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Because of COVID-19, I taught my last live class on March 13th. No more live classes since then, and who knows what the future will bring. So I launched an online course, a multi-semester online course on St. Paul the Apostle. Part of that course includes office hours on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock via Zoom. Now, I've not done that before, but this weekend we had our first Zoom office hours and we had a fine time together. I had 38 Logo students lined up at the Zoom office door and we spent an hour and 10 minutes together talking about St. Paul the Apostle and the lessons we've covered so far. It was wonderful seeing everyone right there face to face and being able to talk with them and they talked with me and we had a really nice conversation during that time. Why We even had one student from the island of Crete. So they were from all over. If you've not signed up for St. Paul the Apostle, you can still do so. Go to the website, logosbiblestudy.com, look at the featured course, and even though the course started on September 7th, you can sign up at any time. All the back lectures are there along with the syllabus and the support material. So please do and join us in our Zoom office hours, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. It would be great to meet you and have a chat online. Well, we left off on Friday with St. Paul and company sailing from Troas to Neapolis. And I put in where we left off, Acts 16 at verse 11. From Troas, we put off to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, an island between Troas and Neapolis. The next day, on to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Philippi. Philip II, king of Macedon and Alexander the Great's father, founded Philippi in 356 BC to control the neighboring gold mines and to establish a garrison to protect the trade route between Amphipolis and Neapolis, part of the royal route that the Romans later developed into the Via Ignatia. After Julius Caesar's assassination in 44 BC, Mark Antony and Octavian confronted Caesar's assassins at the Battle of Philippi in AD 42. They won. And after the battle, many veteran soldiers of the 28th Roman Legion were honorably discharged, given land in Philippi, and settled there. In St. Paul's day, Philippi was still predominantly a Roman military town. Philippi was a city at the time of Paul of about 50,000 people. We've traveled to Philippi many times on our Footsteps of St. Paul teaching tour, and the theater that was there in Paul's day seats about 5,000 people. And that's a really good rule of thumb 
on an archaeological site. Count the number of seats in the theater, and there's always a theater in a Greco-Roman city. Multiply by 10, and that will give you an approximate population of the city at the time the theater was built. So Philippi, a theater, a city of about 50,000 people. Now, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And because Philippi was predominantly a Roman town, apparently there was no synagogue in town. That was Paul's normal method, go to the synagogue, teach in the synagogue, get thrown out of the synagogue, teach in the marketplace, get arrested, beaten up, thrown in jail, and run out of town. That was Paul's methodology. Boy, I wouldn't want it to be mine. But not a synagogue to be found. So what do we do? Where do we go? They went down by the river, the Zagatus River, right outside Philippi, where Paul met Lydia a woman and her friends there, and they were praying. Where might we find someone on the Sabbath in prayer? Well, let's go down by the river and have a look. And that's exactly what they did. And as we noted, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, which is in Asia Minor or modern day Turkey, somewhat toward the Western coast, but inland a bit, Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. That is, she was not a Jew, she was a Gentile, but in Thyatira they did have a synagogue, and she was very much drawn to this God of Israel. So when she relocated to Philippi, why did she relocate? She was a dealer in purple cloth. And who needs purple or crimson cloth? Roman military officers, royalty, important people, and Philippi was a very prosperous city. How do you make purple dye? Well, that purple dye is on a spectrum from pink all the way through a deep crimson. And the purple dye was made from the gland secretions of the Tyrian murex. And it was very expensive. Because after all, how much fluid can you get from a snail? It was very expensive. And that's what Lydia did. She dealt in purple or crimson cloth. And she had a market there in Philippi. Now, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So Paul meets Lydia and her friends. They get to know each other quite well. And Lydia apparently was a very wealthy woman and she had a lovely home in Philippi and invited Paul and company, that would be Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, to stay at her home. And they did. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And Dr. Luke writes, and she persuaded us. It was a nice place to stay. Now, once, when we were going to the place of prayer down by the river, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money 
for her owners by fortune-telling. And what a perfect place to open a fortune-telling business than a Roman military town. People being deployed all the time. What's going to happen in the future? Well, she made quite a tidy living for her owners. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Day after day. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and he said to the spirit, not the girl, but the spirit within her, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. I like to think of Jesus in the synagogue at Capernaum when the demon-possessed man begins wandering forward, cursing and saying, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. Not the man, but the thing inside of him. And Jesus said the same thing. Come out of him. And that man dropped toward the floor, his face turned upward, his mouth open really wide, and this demon came flying out, shooting around the synagogue, and out the front door. Well, the very same thing happens here. At that moment, the spirit left her. But when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope for making money was gone, a fortune teller who can no longer tell, the for tell a fortune? Well, when they realized that, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, and they said, these men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Now notice the, the anti-Semitism here. These men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar. Well, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell, way back in the dark dungeon, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Paul and Silas flogged, and here they are, naked in the stocks. Well, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Way in the back in the dungeon, you could hear their voices. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. As they were singing, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains dropped off the walls and fell loose on the ground. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, you remember when Peter was in prison in Jerusalem, and he's broken out of jail by an angel, and there were 16 Roman guards with him. And what happened to the guards? They were put to death. And this Philippian jailer knows that will happen to him. But I have a great story at this point. We traveled 
to Turkey in the footsteps of Paul some time ago now, 1994, I believe it was, when we had the big Northridge earthquake here in California. And uh, after that, we flew off to Istanbul. Well, this was a bit later. We checked into our hotel in Istanbul, the Mercure Hotel. Istanbul is built on seven hills, like Rome, and the Mercure Hotel is a cylindrical hotel, much like the old Holiday Inns, and it was on top of one of the hills. So we got checked in pretty late at night, and uh, it had been a long day flying all the way from L.A. to Istanbul, and, and we were tired, and we finally got checked in, got into the room. I got undressed, got into bed, and as soon as my head hit the pillow, boom, 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 a big earthquake, the Istanbul earthquake. What in the world? It is shaking and shaking. And I got up, I have a flashlight at my bedside. I got up, looked outside, down the hallway. Here are all my people in various stages of my dress. What do we do? What do we do? Well, at that point, the earthquake stopped. And I said, well, the hotel didn't fall down. Let's go back to bed. So we did. Early in the morning, we got up. The phone rang in my room. Who could that be? And I picked up the phone, and a voice said, Is this Dr. Bill Creasy? Yes, it is. In Istanbul? Yes. You experienced the earthquake? Yes. This is KNX News Radio in Los Angeles. <laughs> I was being interviewed on the phone at drive time in Los Angeles about the Istanbul earthquake. Well, what happened? Are you all right? Yes, we're fine. What's it look like outside? I don't know. I went over and I opened the curtains and I looked down the boulevard and there were people on the median, the grassy median, and you could see how the earthquake snaked through the city. Some buildings fell down, others didn't even have a broken window. And you could see the path of the earthquake as it went through the city. So I reported all that on the radio, and uh, that was quite the event. Well, we went down for breakfast, and of course, there was no hot breakfast because they were afraid of gas leaks. So we had a cold breakfast, and then I met with our Turkish guide because we didn't know what was standing anymore. And we decided to go for a boat ride on the Bosphorus and figure out what to do. Well, as it turned out, we had a fine time in Istanbul. But then we moved on driving west across Macedonia to Philippi. And here we are in Philippi. And I, we walk through the theater, 5,000 seats, 50,000 population. I tell the whole tale. And then we went to the jail. The archaeological remains of the jail that Paul was in is still there. And I was standing there right beside the jail. And as I'm talking... I was reading this very passage. About midnight, Paul and his friends were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And when I said that, at that instant, there was an aftershock and stones fell off the prison. I thought, thank you, Lord, what a great visual aid. It was, it was just amazing.
every time I read this story, I think about standing there at the jail when the aftershock hit. Well, I couldn't help but tell that story. Now, the jailer woke up and he was going to kill himself. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in. He fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Paul, Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We haven't gone anywhere. Don't worry. The jailer's trembling, kneeling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's a pretty darn good question. One we should all ask. What must I do to be saved? And Paul replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Place your faith in Christ and who he is and what he did on your behalf. Embrace that and step into the family of God. Well, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his home. He set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, and he and his whole family were saved. And when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release the men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, this is so like Paul. Paul said to the officers, ah, wait just a moment. They stripped us naked. They beat us publicly without a trial even though we're Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now they want us to get, want to get rid of us quietly? Ain't gonna happen. No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. Oh. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. As well they should be. Paul is a Roman citizen. Now, pause for a moment. Roman citizenship carried important legal rights. Paul could claim to be a citizen, but how would he prove it? I've heard many Bible teachers, pastors, and priests say that, well, if Paul had been lying, then he'd be in really big trouble. Well, he would be, but that's not the reason. Paul and Silas would have carried evidence of their citizenship on their extensive travels all throughout the empire. The University of Michigan's papyrus collection offers an example of such evidence. Among its collections is a wood and wax document certifying the Roman citizenship of Marcus Cornelius Justus. It dates from A.D. 103. The document originated in the Roman province of Alexandria, Egypt. It's about the size of a 3x5 index card, and it's the equivalent of our passports of today. Have a look online. University of Michigan Papyrus Collection, item 2737. 
and you'll have a look at it. Well, the magistrates were alarmed that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They came to appease them and escorted them out of prison, requesting very politely for them to leave the city. So after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them, and then they left town. So when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki of today. It's about a two-hour drive from Philippi to Thessaloniki, and there was a Jewish synagogue there. So as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Well, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a much larger number of God-fearing Greeks, Gentiles who were drawn to the God of Israel, and not a few prominent women like Lydia in Philippi. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters in the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas to bring them out to the crowd. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world are now here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Well, that's treason. There's only one king. He lives in Rome, the emperor. And you know, when we study Jesus in the Gospels and in my Portrait of Jesus course, why was Jesus arrested in Jerusalem during Holy Week? Not because he claimed to be the Messiah. There are a lot of people who claim to be the Messiah. Put your cards on the table. Let's see. Not because he claimed to be the Son of God. There were many sons of God. Ezekiel is referred to as Son of God, a Son of Man, which in Daniel is the Son of God. But yes, we're all sons and daughters of God. No, the problem with Jesus was the crowd was proclaiming him king. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. That's treason. And that's why the Sanhedrin arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane, put him on trial, sent him to Pilate for a capital charge. And Jesus was crucified. So they're saying the very same thing here about Paul and Silas. They're defying Caesar's decree, saying there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into a turmoil. The last thing they need is insurrection in Thessalonica. They made Jason and the others postponed and let them go. And as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, or Perea of today. It's about a 30-minute drive west. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue 
Now, oh, and this is really interesting. The Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I love that. The Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians who heard Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, and many responded to him, but others certainly didn't. But in Berea, they didn't leap into action. They considered what Paul was saying, and they checked the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's the benchmark of truth. Not does it quote scripture, but is what they're saying consistent with scripture. If it is, solid. If not, move on. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching in Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. So a mob from Thessalonica makes the half-mile drive of today to Berea, and they're going to lynch Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea to finish up the work there under the radar. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So Silas and Timothy stay there in Berea. Paul makes his way to Athens. And that's where we'll pick up on Wednesday. Thank you for being here, folks. I always love our time together. Keep me in your prayers, if you would. Pray for our new course, St. Paul the Apostle, and for good health for all of our students and those we love. Bye-bye now. See you on Wednesday.